Coming to you from the Loading Ready Run orbiting underground moon base, it is the Lurcast. Welcome. A combination we've never done before. Yeah, no, I don't think I've ever yeah. lurcasted with you. I don't think I've ever been in the same room as Cam before. No, this hi. This is new. Hi. How, I'm, I'm Cameron. I'm Heather. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. <laughs> and this is... I'm Beach. Beach. You can Beach. ignore him. I'm just watching Cameron touch my wife. Yeah. <sighs> so... This is why that's a treat for the people listening to it on audio. <laughs> this is why I don't take you places anymore. <laughs> So as you may be able to tell from this cast of characters, we're completely devoid of ideas. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, not quite. Uh, we have, we're doing an Askler this week. So we have solicited questions from you, the viewers, on Twitter. And we are going to try to... Um, we, we have collected your cues, and we are going to try to A them over the next 45 minutes to an hour. Sweet. Who, who has the questions? Uh, Paul has the questions. I have the questions. So there's a, a bunch of questions here. There's some some specific questions for certain people that I won't do. There's some wrestling questions that I feel like uh, maybe <laughs> aren't, aren't yeah, quite applicable. Yeah. I, I agree. Can, I can make up stuff. I am I am completely prepared to take an answer. We can All turn right. this into a sidewalk slam, some sort of sidewalk slam. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. Let's uh, start with. Uh, at Necrovale, who asks, what is a piece of advice you wish someone had given you years ago? Buy Apple stock. Yeah. <laughs> That's my pat answer. Oh. Every time I'm on Mitomo oh. and it says, what do you wish you could say to yourself from 10 years ago? And I'm like, buy Apple stock. I had the money. I should have just done it. Yeah, exactly. You look at it. You look at Apple stock 10 years ago and you're like, there's no way it could go higher than this. Yeah, yeah. It's way too expensive. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Not, now, having said that, I can I have time to come up with an actual answer. Hmm. Anybody else? Don't listen to your parents. Hmm. Oh, that's a good one. I mean, that sounds it sounds mean because I, parents are generally. I assume most people's parents are are well intended mm -hmm. that they want you to go and do good things. But uh, I don't think I should have gone to my first year of college. Hmm. <laughs> And I only went because my parents seemed to think I should really go to college well, right away. Yeah, I think that's that's actually kind of relevant. I mean, our parents all grew up in a very different world, as it turns out. Like, you look at um, the way science fiction has changed in the last 50 years. Okay. Right? And you realize that the actual social and technological changes that our society has experienced in that time frame have way outstripped people's imaginations. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, like... I imagine a lot of prior generations' advice around like how to find a job and what kind of education to get, and because you're going to grow you know, into what to do X with job. your money, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. uh, has actually become obsolete faster than anyone has really uh, come to grips with yet. I, I mean, a lot of parental advice is, is very well intentioned, and yeah, like a lot of it is is still useful, like you know. Wash your hands after you use the bathroom and do dishes early and Eat often. Your vegetables. Yeah. Like they're, they're Don't good take the things. first offer anybody gives you yeah. while but, alone. But it's yeah, just exactly. Sometimes those good intentions, like uh, I, I often hear it when people are just starting going into school and they're like, oh, you need to specialize. You mm -hmm. should be this thing right now because we need a lot of those. And I'm like, but will they in four years? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's funny because it's like um, the. There was this sense that. We had, we had no reason to feel like what was going to happen in the world was going to be any different than what mm -hmm. had been happening for the last 50 years for our parents. Yeah. Because they had been living this entire time and, and they'd been like, well, you know, we're, we're into our 40s and 50s now and we've seen what's happened over the last little while in the world. We've seen the technological uptake and all that kind of stuff. So you should, you know, though everything keeps growing in the same way and it hasn't stopped for this amount of time. So, you know, you should be, feel free to take our advice. We know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And then until they didn't. Yeah. Until until other people's worst impulses got the better of them mm -hmm. and screwed over everybody. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, the the ability to kind of anticipate how the world is going to change has outstripped the ability of people whose job it is to be really imaginative and weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I guess so. it shouldn't be a surprise that that it's like the people who who live a very normal existence would have no idea what was coming. Yeah. And then thus, it sucks because it feels like I'm saying. 
the boomer generation left our generation unprepared for what was about to come. Mm -hmm. But let's be honest, they kind of did. <laughs> well, and also they couldn't have done a whole lot to prepare us for it either. Yeah, exactly. And there's nothing wrong with like education. Like mm -hmm. I don't fault my parents for wanting me to no, get yeah. more education. But I knew I shouldn't go to college that year. Mm -hmm. I went anyway. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, should not have listened to my parents. Should not have done it. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, oh, there, there's. Did you did you have one? Because I think I came up with an actual one. Um, my advice to my younger self would be trust your first impressions of people. You actually have reasonably good intuition for that kind of thing. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. That's that's really good advice, actually. Yeah. Uh, I would say love is work. Hmm. I, I read that the other day. I was watching a thing. Um, I actually didn't watch it. I read the little description. Um, like somebody wrote an article about this, mm -hmm. and the idea was the idea was essentially that um, any relationship that you're in, whether it's a love relationship or a friend relationship or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, they require a certain level of work. Mm -hmm. um, and so you have to remember that uh, the bill of goods that were being sold by Disney mm -hmm. and by anybody who's making any sort of film that has a romantic whatever in it, right? We're being told. You were told from birth that, um, that oh, one of you is the prince and one of you is the princess, uh, and then you will find each other, and it will just frickin' work. Yeah. You know, and you won't have to worry about it, and you won't have to, you know, you, there won't be, like, differences of opinion, and you won't have all these other things going on. And mm -hmm. I grew up in a, in a household, my parents loved each other, they still love each other, and... You know, that's very easy for me to believe. It's like, oh, look, these two people found each other, and it was great, and it was wonderful, yeah. and they had two kids, and they love me, uh, and, and whatever. Um... And so it's like, so that's, that's the same thing. It'll be like, I'll go out and I'll find, I'll, I'll, I'll point it up at a girl and I'll be like, that is the girl for me. And she'll be like, yes, I am. How'd you know? And then that will work out. And it's like, that mm -hmm. didn't happen for quite some time. I had to go through repeated <laughs> instances. And then you finally get to a point where it's like, well, it's not the same relationship. And getting married is also like mm -hmm. not the same relationship as you expected to be from watching a freaking movie, right? Right. Yeah. It's, it's different. Like, well, it's like in Princess Bride when he says, you know, uh, Life is suffering, and anyone who tells you otherwise is selling something. <laughs> <laughs> right? Or, or like, you know, Sartre's no exit. You know, hell is other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so that's the piece of advice. Life is suffering. Hell yeah. is other people. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. All right. <laughs> and love, love is work, and love should be work. Hmm. And that's fine. Well, that's... I mean, there's, there's a song lyric that, I kind of, that kind of stuck with me from a Massive Attack song. Yeah. Where it just says, love is a verb. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's actually really good. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. I'm going to remember that from now on. Thank you, Cam. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, at Poindexter109 asks, uh, what is your favorite place you have visited or vacationed to? Japan. Yeah, Japan was rad. They have a Kit Kat store in Narita Airport now. No, no, it's not in Narita Airport. Is it? It's a 15-minute drive from Narita Airport, it's not towards Tokyo. <laughs> still a Kit Kat store. It's just a Kit Kat premium store. Store well, full of Kit Kat. I think they just said it was an artist rendering. Currently, like, they're making it. So all I they have care. is a render there's of a it. This is what it's going to look coming. like. But now and then I assume they're going to hoard all the Kit Kats. <laughs> At least have all the flavors. So your favorite place in Japan is specifically the, the Kit, Kit Kat, Kat store, store near the airport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I liked Kyoto. Kyoto was amazing. Best, but... Hiroshima was, um, was a trip, though. I didn't yeah. expect it to be the way that it was. Because... Upon something about Hiroshima felt very Western, mm -hmm. which was weird because every other place we went felt very modern, obviously. But also, right. I got this sense of this is a very, you know, this is how I've always seen Japan because I've I've been watching anime where they draw stuff in Kyoto and draw stuff in Tokyo and right. you know, and yeah. and then you watch we, movies. We did a where bit of they, the anime tour where we went and found the shrines. Yeah, we did those mm -hmm. kind of things. And you go to Hiroshima, and it's like this is not the same kind of town. It feels differently. It's it's a coastal town. Mm -hmm. um, and then they had something very terrible happen to them as well, which means they had to rebuild a whole bunch of stuff, which meant right. it's a lot, feels a lot more modern. But things like, um, they had, like, they have a trolley. Was it a trolley or was it a bus? Or I think it was a trolley that runs through, like, the middle of, of downtown, like in Calgary with a sea yeah, train okay. runs through downtown. This is the same kind of thing. It was like a trolley bus type thing on, on tracks. And to me, that felt very European. I was like, hmm. I've never seen this kind of thing before. And then to... On the one hand, we went to the Genbaku Dome and we went to the Hiroshima Peace Museum, 
-hmm. And that was a kick in the gut because we had to get rushed through it because they were closing for the night. So you just kind of get inundated with all this shit, not really a lot of process. Don't go visit a museum an hour before it's closing. And then Mm. the another night we went to go we went to go watch Japanese live theater that was like all women doing um, like and it was and we're like 15 people in the audience. We were among 15 people in like a room that hold maybe 60 or 70. And it was just this like it was like being dragged in like so many directions in this one town. Right. And it was really cool. And I mean, I don't know if I'd go back there or not. I'd, if I had to go back to Japan, like, do you want to go there? I'm like, hell yeah, we'll go back there again. I think that would be a great experience. But it was a very emotionally tumultuous time during Christmas too is when we went. Right. Yeah, I think, I think right. a different time period might be, yeah. time of year might be a good time. Pretty to go. cool. Hmm. How about you? Uh, I actually haven't had the opportunity to travel very much in my life because for most of my 20s, I lived in uh, a little northern town in northern BC called Prince George, which um, adds about $800 to the cost of traveling anywhere. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, yeah so, would. like, you, you kind of live in this uh, potential energy well where just getting to Vancouver costs as much as most people's vacations do. Right, yeah. Um, so, that was kind of like a huge uh, barrier to entry for me. And now that I don't live in Prince George anymore, I'm dirt poor because I'm a perpetual student. So, um, But you didn't my, go my, to San Antonio. Yeah, San Antonio was pretty cool. I mean, like, the, the, the problem is I, I get to travel to a lot of places for business and usually wind up being in the, um, the tourist sump. Yeah. Yeah, you don't really uh, get to go and explore the city much. Yeah, but uh, some of the places that I've really enjoyed visiting have actually been in, like, Western Canada. Like, I really enjoy Tofino and Ukulet. I've never on, been. On the island okay. here. They're... they're you know, they're, they're overrun with surfers, but they're very pretty, and you can go to Clackwatt Sound, which is um, uh, 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 a park that is deep in the rainforest, and there are trees that are, like, big. I don't know if yeah. you've seen big trees before, but they're, they're big, and it's... They're very large, I'm, and it's I not mean, not naturally typical. My dad's yeah. a logger, so I've seen pictures of the... Yeah. Cut down ones. Yeah, and like Clackwatt Sound was the the source of like a lot of uh, protests in the 80s. Yeah, I remember La- that. Late 80s, right? Because going there and looking at it, I could see how loggers would be like, Cut Please. it all down. Yeah, yeah, this, this yeah. is good. That's, oh, that's no, real they good. Have, that's, they have like yeah, size I, competitions. I can see that. I want that. I see every dollar sign. <laughs> um, but these are, are large. And the other uh, place that I've enjoyed going to has been, um, I went to a friend's wedding at Kananaskis. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is a another park on the eastern side of the Rockies on the, the Alberta side. Yeah, yeah. Um, near Calgary. And again, mountains are big. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, you spend a lot of your time in the city or in, like, you know, kind of the scrubland. <laughs> and then you go and actually see landscapes, and they're, they're, they're large, and they make you think about things, mm-hmm. and they make you feel <laughs> things, and it's weird. Um, so... Eventually, I'd like to go and see places that actually have, like, you know, the Rockies are fine, but they're they're kind of casual to your mountains, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, you could go see, like, the Himalayas. Yeah, yeah. And they would probably, like, have the same effect, only larger. And I want to see if it scales linearly or Ooh. if it, like, tops out. Well, I like that idea. It's actually, because it's funny you bring that up because, I mean, I grew up in Alberta, mm-hmm. um, and my parents loved to camp. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, like, travel trailer. Okay, right? yeah, so, yeah. Which is very comfortable. Um, and so we would be out doing that, like, every long weekend, we would always be out camping, and they were members of the Kinsman Club, and that also meant we were out, like, traveling to all sorts of different places for meetings and stuff, mm-hmm. and that meant that we were bringing the trailer and camping in all these different places. And that also meant a lot of times it was like, oh, we're going to take a vacation, we're going to Fort Walsh for a vacation, which okay. is, like, one of those, like, it's a fort, it was a functioning fort way back in the day, and now it is a tourist trap. Enticed, right. like the idea is to bring you there, and it's like an interpretive center. It's like we're going to talk okay. about what used to go on in the old west in, in Alberta. Yeah, and right? you can watch us churn butter and shit. Exactly, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff kind of happens. So we'd go to places like that, and um, I did a lot of that from like age six to like age fifteen. It felt like we were always going somewhere and doing those kind right. of things. So I grew up with all of that, and we would go to we would go into Banff, and we would go into these places, and then during university, the same thing. It was like. My buddies would be like, we're going to go to Johnson Canyon in, in the Rocky Mountains near Banff. It's like, we're going to do this now, and then we're going to go climb this mountain. We're not going to climb the mountain. We're going to take the gondola up and stuff. Right. I grew up doing so much of that that I feel like that's, 
I assume that was every kid's normal experience is that every kid had a family that would do all of that shit and I grew up jaded from all of it. Right. We drove from Medicine Hat to Penticton every year, twice a year sometimes, which means we always go through the Rogers Pass through the Rocky Mountains. We always got to see Rocky Mountains. I fucking hated the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> yeah. You can't well, like, stop and you can't do anything well, for like, hours. <laughs> I, I, I would travel with my mother to Saskatchewan to visit her family, right. or my family, and we would go through the Rockies necessarily, and I'm like, yeah, what, you know, whatever. Right. Sure, I'm, I'm seven years old and I've been driving through the Rocky Mountains for my entire life, and you don't get to really stop though. Yeah, you just right? go by them. But when you do, it's, it's a very different experience, and like I did a lot of outdoor stuff when I was a kid, like I was a Cub Scout and a Boy Scout for like five years. So we went out and camped, and the entire experience of being a, uh, at a scout camp is you go and like, you pitch a tent, and you sit around um, a campfire, and you roast hot dogs, and you do annoying little kid shit. Yes. Um, and you never get to like look up really because everyone is like, well, now we have to do, go learn how to do a compass, or build a lean-to, or fight a bear, or learn do some something. Knots. Yeah. Right. And yeah. you never really get any kind of alone time yeah um to, oh, to yeah. think about things and look at things yeah i'm just recalling all the girl guy trips i was on yeah you never get alone time yeah you get you get some time where you get to that's not scheduled to do a thing but everybody has to dude then you're just kind of farting out. around because everyone's like well, uh, we're we here watch to, movies we're generally. here to play and whatever mm -hmm. i mean i was in i was in boy scouts as well so yeah 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 but like the the entire experience with those 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 scout trips seem to be it's very important not to let kids have any uh, freedom or, or any time to think about what's going on around them. Just keep them occupied. Yeah. Right? Otherwise, they'll get, I don't know, well, homesick, know. I think, was the big um, problem, yeah. actually. Oh, oh really? I, could see I, would that. Have, I would have thought it's the whole idle hands thing. Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, if, there if were those kids. A, if you leave a kid alone, they'll go start a for, forest fire. Which happened at one of my scout camps because there was free time, and the American scouts who were up visiting decided they wanted to go start fires in the forest. And then we had a forest fire. Did you learn how to do prevent forest fires after that? Well, that seems like how that ends. That was that was a funny experience. They were that was during the Gulf War too. So they kept thinking that you know you're from another country, so you're the enemy. That sounds pleasant. This is a really weird. This is Gulf War One, 1991, right? Wow. This is a very weird experience. That really crystallized my view of Americans. I'm sorry, but <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. All of our fans are out there are American. But that really had a profound effect on me at the time. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well. All right. <laughs> Next question. Yeah, moving on. Uh, this is, Please right. give us money. Slightly <laughs> relevant, I guess. Uh, this is, uh, you know, with Loading Ready Run, uh, you know, us working together for a long period of time. Uh, R4V5 asks, uh, how do you work with so many people without wanting to kill each other? Who says we don't? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm we, sure we want to kill each other at certain times. We have the benefit, though, like the three of us being contractors. Yeah, I, right? I only come in like three times a week, exactly. four times a week, yeah. maybe three or four. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes I'm on my own, so yeah. yeah. I like working with everybody here, and it's mm -hmm. it's so like you don't really have time to get sick of everybody because you're not in everybody's space all the time. Yeah, exactly, and and. There's one day a week where we are all here, mm -hmm. right? And usually we're quite busy, so we are moving along at a clip and nobody's like getting on your nerves at all, yeah. right? Because I mean, that, that's gonna happen with any kind of, of place where there are other people. Um, yeah. And that, that isn't a reflection on those people at all. It just means that like, when, when, you're, when you work with other people, you take what they do well for granted and what piles up are the idiosyncrasies, Yeah. right? Um, well, and we're not stuck in one. I know some people think that we all seem to live together twenty four seven. Right. That is that is not what happens. We're mm -hmm. not all stuck in a room. No, no. Forever, except for Desert Bus. Yeah. So, so I'm sure by the end of Desert Bus, everyone's just tired and can't remember anything anyway. Mm -hmm. But, and and I'm sure we all have like a, a few gripes here and there where it's like, Ugh, yeah, so and so did that today, but we get over it. Yeah. yeah. People. But literally, Saturday, maybe Friday, is when the most people are here, right? Mm -hmm. And after Saturday, especially if everybody's shown up that day, I'm exhausted from people. Yeah. But then oh, I yeah. don't see you all again until yeah, Friday. Yeah, like, I come in, <laughs> I see you two 
once or twice a week, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, even though I'm in maybe four days a week mm -hmm. because our schedules don't overlap, right? That's right, yeah. So um, I, I guess we have an... It's different than, yeah. it, than it is when you're working full-time with people. Yeah, exactly. Um, Where everybody know. comes in for the same time slots and the t same schedules and on the same team mm -hmm. all the time. So and it, I think it's also helpful that we're usually collaborating on something. It's not like when you're working in an office and the person at the workstation next to you because you're in a goddamn open concept office is listening to like trap music yeah. without oh. their headphones on and you just want to kill them. You have that coworker you who have sits to next kill to you them. who just makes like a clicking noise that you notice one day. Yeah, and, and they tell you like or or they they they're like the the one that bothered me was always like listening to music and then telling you that it was a social thing to make the office feel more hummy. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, "Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The way to make the office feel more homey for me would be fill a deep freeze with bodies." Yeah. Let's <laughs> start with yours. I have worked retail for a long time. I can tell you constant music being around just makes people angry. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz you never and nobody is ever really happy with that. Mm -hmm. So so what you're saying is that uh, you guys should not work here full time. No, that's that's why. No, <laughs> or else you might kill everybody. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is that we have insufficient data to make this to make yeah. this judgment right because we don't work full time uh, five days a week. Mm -hmm. Now, if we wanted, if like in order for us to make that judgment, um, if mm. everybody in the Patreon yeah. could put in about. $4,000 extra per person per month, yeah. then yeah. we could all work here full time and then we can report back to you and let you know how that's going. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think I would want to necessarily kill anyone if I yeah. worked here more often because we don't seem to have anyone who's um, overly passive aggressive to everybody mm -hmm. or anyone who constantly blows up or at least yeah. not what I've seen. But we already we, killed that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, like, so problem solved. Yeah, we're, we're all... We're all decent people. Yeah. Um, we, and we could I, all tell each other to not play music without headphones on. Yeah, uh, I, I can't really think of anyone who has like the the tiny little obnoxious um, uh, 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 habits that drive me insane. And yeah. maybe that's just a function of like if you can't tell who the obnoxious person in the office is, it's you. <laughs> so maybe it's me. No, you're right? very benign. That's the thing, right? Oh, like okay. it's, it's like a tumor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean. Like shit, yeah. I, that's the. I mean, that's the tumor I would prefer, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, if I you gotta have a tumor, so. you have to have a camera and better be benign. <laughs> Next question, Paul. Next question. All right. Uh, Brady five six zero nine asks, uh, "Can you? What is your best advice for starting a podcast? Do it. Actually, start it. Yeah. Start yeah. it. Be consistent with uh, keeping it up. Yeah. Um, oh, and." Uh, there's, there's no need to, like, you might feel like, okay, I've got, I've, I sat down and record my first episode, uh, time to hype it. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, don't. What you do is you record your first episode, um, then you, and you can release that, uh, and record two or three or four more, mm -hmm. and maybe you want to tweet about, it's like, yeah, I'm doing this thing now, but um, I think with a podcast, it helps to have, like, get an episode out, get another episode out, and then if you start talking about it and really start pushing it at that point people will respond because they'll be like, oh, okay, well, especially if they're not too long, it's mm -hmm. easy for people to go, I'll go listen to the first one. I must have missed it when he announced it the first time. Uh, I'll go listen to that. Well, and if you listen to the first episode of anyone's first podcast, not I've started my fifth podcast and here's my right. first episode, but my very first episode of a podcast, very first time, the quality will be poor because chances are they don't have high-tech microphones. Mm -hmm. They're just figuring out editing. They, they don't know what their format of their show is going to be like yet. And that stuff evolves over time. Mm -hmm. Some people like to hype their stuff before it's even out. Yeah. Maybe do a few episodes. Put them out if you want, because you don't have to. Yeah. You can do a few episodes and see if you like it. Mm -hmm. If you're enjoying it, then you should be hyping it, because that yeah. enjoyment should start to show through. Mm -hmm. And quality can come later. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I would say um I'm trying to think of the qualities of the podcasts that I enjoy the most. And I think it is um how concise they are 
and how little wasted time there is in an episode. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Like I listen to, you know, kind of the, the stable of... Um, like Radio Lab. Yeah, Radio Lab and Visibilia. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I used to listen to a CBC radio podcast called Wiretap, but mm-hmm. that's over now. Um, you know, This American Life. And they're all like, you know, the, the witty, um, interesting, like capital I, Oh, that's interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. End yeah. of comment or end of interaction. Uh, uh, liberal elite, mm-hmm. whatever, podcasts. But they are all um, uh, 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 done by people who don't fill space with ums and ahs. Right. And who can, who can speak tirelessly uh, without filler which is something that I really admire because it's something I can't do. Okay. Hmm. It's, it's something that we pride ourselves here at the Loading Ready Run podcast is conciseness in, in what yeah, we... Uh... Concision. <laughs> yeah, concision. Um, yeah, yeah it, it, it only took me about 15 minutes to get that sentence out. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I, I mean, podcasting, like, I was doing a podcast with Ian and uh, and... Dan Ross, who you guys maybe have seen before, and our friend Jason Hill, who lives in Japan. We were doing a podcast called Diecast, and we, I got used to the idea of this was a two-hour conversation that we would have, and then he might go back and, and cut things up with it or whatever, but he always wanted to keep it around like under 90 minutes if we could do that. Mm-hmm. But it was always a really nice long conversation that we would have and it was and that was kind of also this is podcasting just kind of getting rolling for everybody is when we were doing this there were no real set rules and there really aren't any set rules but what i found is that stuff i like to listen to is generally i like to listen to stuff that's like under a half hour Mm -hmm. but that's my preference right and i will listen to stuff that's over an hour if the hosts are compelling and interesting enough to do it but i don't listen to podcasts much anymore because all the podcasts where I find the host really interesting, compelling, they do almost everything. Like Merlin Mann and John Roderick doing Roderick on the Line, that is a podcast that always would go over an hour, and oh, I don't have time or that interest to Merlin listen to Merlin Mann is on is almost two hours. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is, I find okay because I can stop. Li- like I hate stopping in the middle of things. Mm-hmm. So TV episodes, movies, yeah, uh, podcasts, but certain podcasts that are very conversational, so they kind of wrap back into the same thing a couple of times. Mm-hmm. As long as I'm enjoying listening to that conversation, I can pause it in the middle and come back to it. If right. I, if it's not a thing that I can do that with, uh, so, um, uh, oh, it's escaping me what podcast I listen to, but the um, more of the uh, intellectual podcasts, mm-hmm. yeah. I have to listen to the whole episode. And, but those ones also tend to be less than half an hour long. Right. Right. I can't stop listening to that and come back because I will somewhere in the train of the day forget yeah, some kind of your, detail and they'll yeah. talk about a thing and I'll be like, what? What? No, that doesn't make sense and then I have to start over and then it feels like wasted time. Mm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, at uh, Sukult asks... Uh, what is your favorite post-Fury Road action movie? I guess, if you have one. I still haven't seen Fury Road. Uh, really? Yeah, but you know when it's it good. came out, so you have to... Yeah. But you don't um, like action so movies. So I, I, I still kind of want to watch like that I guess like 2015. Right. 2015 or 16. Second half of 2015, first half of 2016. Oh, what action movies have I seen since Fury Road? I mean, I suppose Star Wars kind of counts as one. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, I mean, there are explosions in it. Yeah. Lots of stuff's going on. There's lots of running. Mm -hmm. People are excited about things. Yeah. It didn't make me feel tired. I like that I don't know. I don't think I have a good... I don't think I have a good answer for that question. Yeah. I definitely don't. It's it's great that... that it's, It's great that we're at a point where it's like... Fury Road is kind of a... Is kind of a... Like, it's a... It's a milestone. Yeah. It really is now. It's like something where you're like, so now that I've put, now that I've said that word, because if the, if the question had been, what's your favorite action movie after, I don't know, the first half of 2015, right? Yeah. And you're kind of sitting here like, yeah, what would be, oh, and then we might have come up with an answer. But the moment that you're seated with post Fury Road, it's like, well. Yeah. After <laughs> Fury Road solved it. Yeah. Right. Do you, do you think in, you know, in a year or so, 
there's going to be like a big glut of sort of Fury Road oh, style absolutely. Like, movies. I'm, I'm, I, I was that was the first thought I had coming out of Fury Road was wondering what stylistic uh, lesson the studios will not or will mislearn from Fury Road, right? Oh, because after The yeah. Matrix came out, we had a decade of movies with like um, bullet time action sequences featuring people in sunglasses and leather coats, right? Yeah. Um, Transformers gave us this idea of that, well, there's going to be lots of larger-than-life action that also mm. is going to be punctuated by uh, man on the street or shaky cam vomit mode. Yeah. Where it's like, I don't want to see that. I yeah. want to I want to see what's going on in the movie. I don't want to have to try to figure out what's going on in the movie while I get a headache. Yeah. It's going to be people are, the studios are going to be like, all right, People want extremely dusty action. Yeah, that's, that's what everyone wants now. Yeah. All right. Whatever it is, the next action movie, there's just it's just going to be dust everywhere. Yep. So there's they're a, making Dune finally. Yeah. Oh. oh God. Yes. They'll make a. They'll make a. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Hardcore Sorry. Henry, I think, is the, uh, just came out recently, and it is a. Did you ever see that movie video? Um, we curse on the podcast. We're allowed, right? Well, it doesn't yeah. matter. I'm quoting. The name of the video is "Bad Motherfucker." Right. And it was. It's all filmed um, it's in first recording. person. Oh, okay. And it's about a guy who is. Uh, he's basically an. It's basically Jason Statham. Okay. Right. But right. it's all through his perspective. So you're seeing him punch stuff and whatever, and it's just all these stunts and stuff kind of chained together, and it's like really imaginative cutting and all these kind of things. Right. Well, they made a. They made a movie. Uh, they made a, a okay, feature length right. presentation. <laughs> Which I haven't seen, and I kind of want to, but also, and it's, it, it, it's like I feel like I would feel really awkward watching this movie for like whatever amount of time because the Avatar character doesn't say anything, right? Because why would they? Um, but they are constantly interacting with other people, and it's a save the girl and kick the ass of all the bad guys and do the whatever, right? And it's um, so it's kind of like Russian Ark crossed with transporter. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, it is a, a well, it's funny too is that the movie is Russian itself. I think oh, the okay. guy who's who's huh. directing it and a lot of people who are in it are actually Russian and uh it's a hell of a ride apparently. Uh it is very much a roller coaster for, mm. you know, seeing things through through mm. this person's eyes. And and I'm like, I think that got made because the music video was popular. People were like that 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 went viral. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, well, can this translate into a movie? And now that's right. out in some theaters some places. Hmm. I think that is a very inventive idea yeah. for how to do an action movie. I don't think you could do many sequels of that or, oh. in fact, do another... Like, Hollywood probably couldn't grab that and say, oh, now we're going to start making stuff in the first-person action genre. I don't think that Well, depending on how they do it, you can, there are people who get motion sickness from mm -hmm. yeah. that, oh, yeah, that yeah. camera angle. So depending on... Like, if that's a popular thing, there may be a group of people who can't couldn't deal never with that. Go, yeah. They never see those. Hmm. Next question, uh, Paul. All right. Uh, uh, at Do Billy asks, um, so the latest Friday nights got me curious. Has any of the crew tried stand-up? Now, I know, I mean, Bish, you've done comedy on stage, yes. but that's not, uh, that's not, not stand-up. Stand it's improv. Have you done any stand-up? Anybody? I, I, I haven't. once. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah, I did it as part of a cosplay contest thing. Oh, huh. And it was the most frightening experience ever because it was one of my first stage experiences. Ooh. <laughs> you How actually, you had like a set? Yeah. Okay. You it told, was a very, you, very short set. You got up and I told only do, specific jokes. Yeah. Wow. About the Mushroom Kingdom. Huh. Wait, no, hang on. Was that, that wasn't the thing that I wrote, was it? No. Okay. This no, is that different. was a sketch. Okay. This was this was stand up. This was hmm. the first thing I did. That was a different thing. Okay. That was the thing I did with Heidi. Yes. Um, it was very frightening, but I couldn't see anyone because the lights were so bright. And then I got off stage, and and I think people laughed. I can't remember. Huh. D do you remember any of your jokes? Oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> They're all terrible. That's I'm a sure. safe answer. Yes. I uh, often thought about uh, doing stand up. Um, when I was younger, uh, mm -hmm. I listened to uh, other people went and bought actual music. I would buy comedy CDs. Right. I right. loved stand-up comedy um, because there's something very. It's great in that it's all stand-up comedy, but everybody's like people who are very well known for doing it. They all have a different form, mm -hmm. and um, 
so I love to explore the form and I love to see like I mean growing up my uh, because I found out as well that uh, Bill Cosby was like he and I share a birthday right so I grew up with those albums and I was like oh my god this is amazing like right. he and I like this it's now taking on a completely different form now but at the time it's like like separate the man from his work it's like I was really into that and thus then also got really into a lot of comedians from that from around that era and then mm -hmm. eventually grew into like you know, like George Carlin and Richard Pryor. Right, but then right, right. It, it just became a thing of, I think I can do this. I'm learning so much about what everybody else is doing. And then and I found out that Eddie Murphy, I think he got his start when he was like 14 years old by going to comedy clubs and basically doing Richard Pryor's entire set. Right. And it, and it was like, as a 14-year-old, you can do that. You could, you could go in and you could, you could bite someone's style completely. Right. Like steal all their shit and do it because it's like in the middle of like, I think it was Peoria or wherever it was that he grew up, but it was, or maybe that was Richard Pryor, but he would do these jokes mm -hmm. and I'm like, maybe I could do that. Maybe I could just take someone's set <laughs> and I could just, at like 15 years old or 16 years old, I could go in and I could just do that set and get a sense of what it's like to do this. And I thought, but if I do that and somebody knows that I'm doing all those jokes, Mm -hmm. then they'll call you on it. And I'm yeah. like, I don't yeah. want to do that. So then I start keeping a notebook and writing stuff down and being like, maybe I can come up with like bits and ideas I mean, and whatever. I mean, you're not, you're not like completely wrong. Like the idea of of taking someone's stuff and trying to emulate mm -hmm. it yeah. is how people do learn things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But to, to try and make an actual living off of that or to I never try could. and get yeah. paid for yeah. that... That's just outright plagiarism. That's that a, yeah, incredibly dishonest. And I was like, that wasn't comfortable. I wasn't comfortable doing yeah. that. But it had struck me. I was like, I think I can do this. I think I can make whatever. I had the notebook. I was trying to write stuff down, trying to do whatever. I have now learned. Like I've never, I never ended up doing any stand up. Um, but I have now learned that if you're going to do it properly, the way to do it is to do um, to to basically lock yourself in a room and write and write and write and write and write. And be prepared to throw ninety percent of your shit. Right. You know, like, and then finding out that oh, comics go to open mic nights. Uh, like even Patton Oswalt and those guys, they all right. go to those open mic nights because they're like, I am testing new material. Right. Yeah. And I need some place where I can bomb. Yeah. And when I, real consequences. When I saw that, like when I learned mm -hmm. about that a few years ago, I was like, oh, okay. I thought you guys went into your room and you wrote like all this comedy, and you just kind of went, that's not working, so I'm throwing it out. That's not working, so I'm throwing it out. You have to test it. And you with, have to test it. Audience. You have to find out what do audiences actually respond to. Mm -hmm. And then finding out that's like, yeah, we go in because we're workshopping a joke. And so you'll hear two or three different recordings of us doing a joke, and they all come out slightly different because of the way that we tell them. That's because we're currently crafting those words. And I'm like, okay, you also realize that this has to be in front of a crowd and you have to get feedback right. from a crowd. I'm like, oh. oh. Okay. It's a lesson I never learned when I was younger. And, I, and now well, having... Well, would have been a behind-the-curtain thing you would never yeah. have been aware of. Yeah, exactly, right? That's you know, why, why they hate YouTube cell phone videos of yeah. their practice sets. Yeah, and I huh. completely understand because I'm like, writing comedy is hard. Yeah. Okay. That's... I had no idea. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, at uh, Joe's V. Tongaren asks uh this is i think this question was probably meant for like grammar i but i actually would i'd be very curious to know this uh what what gear do you like the most uh or do, do you like the most that you use on loading ready run what uh what like tech gear either uh for i guess either for doing videos or streaming or whatever is there any uh i guess upgrade that we've got that has made your life significantly easier <laughs> um i mean like i boomed a lot yeah and, uh and i think we have a good boom yeah having a good boom was really good uh getting rid of the zoom yeah oh yeah i thought it was really uh a huge improvement like getting just plugging directly into the uh the camera yeah i mean like we currently when i when i boom um uh, and really when almost anybody booms, we're all still wearing the headphones. And the problem we have is that our headphones have a very short cord. Mm -hmm. And so we keep getting... Extensions. And the extensions keep falling apart or like getting stepped on or doing whatever. And they keep turning to crap. And it's like, it's probably like, I have thought, is there a way to get the boom integrated with having like winding the microphone, the headphone cable around it or something like that and getting everything plugged in together? I don't think there is, but mm -hmm. it's like... Yeah, having it plug in directly to the to the C one hundred is is a godsend. Yeah, not having to be like, oh to, like, shit, I wasn't running. Yeah, I wasn't running. Or yeah, that was the worst. Yeah, having 
like monitoring two separate batteries and two separate cards yeah sucked I only I only noticed the gear that I really need when people try to take it away from me so hmm. uh, like the time the monopod got taken away from me I really missed it oh it makes, makes life so much easier the camera's so much heavier without it <laughs> what <laughs> what happened to the mono oh, sorry uh, what happened to the monopod oh uh, well like now it's fine but during uh, during like uh, the rumble oh, they needed, oh, oh, they needed right. a monopod so they took it away from me right or um, we had, uh, uh, we've had, oh. we had a weird thing happen when we went to go film uh, that Santa crap shot of Corey walking into the sea. Right. And uh, there had been a card in the camera, and then we think Alex maybe was trying to be efficient, took the camera, the card out of the camera to go do a thing, but we thought it was in there, so we were like, great, and we left. Yeah. No. Like someone had checked right. that it was in there, but somehow between before we went, someone else took it out, so. My card had to get taken away uh -huh. from me, which meant I had to use an iPhone. Yeah. Right, an iPhone right, right. Is, is a really good way to film LT, mm -hmm. but if you have to keep your hands in this position yeah, for that's... a very long time, all crunched up and curled around a tiny device, even a larger phone, it hurts after a while. Yeah. I don't know what else we've got that has made things... My current equipment is beautiful. Yeah. yeah. The new lens looks really good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, yeah, gear-wise, um, I can't even think of, like, like, I am happy that streaming-wise that we have, like, I don't have to swap cables anymore for, mm -hmm. like, if I want to play with the Wii, it's like oh, I don't have to yeah, swap cables currently. Nice. Yeah, currently, um, yeah, the stream, current streaming setup is really transparent. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Uh, so I guess the piece of gear that we most appreciate is Paul. Yeah. Well, appreciate. <laughs> Don't objectify me like that. Uh, all right. Well, here we go. Um, tell us about, uh, or sorry, uh, Jiggly Purin asks, uh, tell us about the first time you got into a fist fight. <laughs> okay. Ooh. Kindergarten. I won. <laughs> and they never bothered you again. No, I had to write a, a, a sappy I'm sorry letter. Because I got caught. Kids get caught doing things a lot easier. It's true. And it wasn't a fair fist fight because I just turned around and whacked the guy. But oh, I still so won. you started it and ended it. Well, if you punch hard enough in the first point, then they don't get up. So yeah, you can do that. Jesus hmm. Christ! That's you one punched a kindergarten. That's a, that's a, <laughs> I was in kindergarten. It was fine. Yeah, it's funnier when I say it. <laughs> That's a, that's a good Heather quote right there. Yeah. If you punch them hard enough the first time, they don't get up. Yeah. It's easy when they're in kindergarten. Yeah. Um, it was in elementary school, and I lost. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it's never I fun to be on the I don't think I've ever game. won a fight. I've won at least three. Hmm. I was... I probably actually answered this in a previous lore cast, but um, I was in elementary school, and it was a draw. Huh. Because I didn't tap out, uh, and the principal got out there and broke the two of us up. I would have, lo I would have lost. Mm -hmm. That was coming, but I wasn't giving up. Mm. But you didn't die before the timer ran out. So, no, so it doesn't yeah. count. The dude was literally like he 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 got behind me and he had his he had his arm across my neck and he was choking me. Right. But he wasn't choking me uh, in such a way that I was that I was losing breath. Mm -hmm. He was just choking me in a way that it hurt an awful lot. Right. And I was uh, trying to get free and. Um, and there's all these kids gathered around, and they're all yelling. This is at the soccer posts. And, mm -hmm. and then the uh, uh, principal came out and broke the whole thing up and had us both come into the room and sit. And yeah, that was... Uh, so yeah, win, lose, and draw. Hmm. <laughs> it, was, it was like called on, a, on account of principal, and I'm like, that's probably fine. I'll take it as a draw. Uh, right. I, I didn't want to fight the guy, but he was getting on everyone's nerves, and for whatever reason... It fell to me. He wanted to fight me for some reason, so huh. I said sure, because I was like, if that's what it takes, then it's I guess I guess we fight. Huh. I never could figure out why that came. I to this day I still can't figure out why it came to me to do it because I wasn't like a big kid or a right or, or like whatever. He was a big kid, and there was nobody else in like. There's other people he could have fought, and it would have been more of a fair fight. But he chose right. to to pick uh, me as the one. Have you? Have no, I know as, how bullies work. As as someone who's done shit like that, you don't you don't pick someone who can actually beat you up, or has a chance of beating you up. Right. 
yeah, you pick somebody who's like, well, this is going to be whatever. And I was like, well, that's fine. I like, I was like, I guess I have to do this. And I'm taking Taekwondo. And part of the discipline of Taekwondo is that um, you don't throw the first punch. You, right. You use it to defend yourself. And I was like, I'm going to defend myself, damn it. And he came at me and he threw a punch and I sidestepped, but then he, he immediately got behind me and he started choking me out. And I was like, I didn't even have a chance to try to kick him in the face. Like, right. Well, Which I didn't want. Fair. I didn't want to anyway. I didn't want to. I didn't want to hurt him in a way that was going to like, you know, be like. I just wanted to drive him off. Like basically, be like, right. no, you want to fight me? I'm going to. I'm going to make it clear were that there, if you're going to fight me, that both of us are going to get hurt. Were, were there kids watching? Yeah, lots of oh, kids watching. Well, it wouldn't have mattered. He had to take you out. Yeah. Hmm. It, even if, even if it hurt him, yeah. he, he would have had to throw you down because that would have been. That's the mindset. Hmm. Yeah. That's how reputation works. Hero of my class for the day. Hmm. So that was not so bad. All right. Uh, yeah, please another question. I like uh, I like this one. To the best, uh, or uh, Art Bigotti asks, to the best of your memory, what is the first video you remember watching on YouTube? It was, uh, God, it was. I was shown a video on YouTube of somebody's house with god-awful Christmas lights set to some fucking song. Mm. And they were coordinated together, and that would have been in, like, 2005. Wow. For some reason, I want to say it was Russian. I'm going to assume, like, a cat video. It's probably a safe assumption. It seems mm. pretty safe. I cannot remember. I've watched so much stuff on YouTube just randomly over the years. I'm trying to think of why I mean, when YouTube first I came out, have. sharing stuff like what Cam saw yeah. was the thing that people shared. Well, we were yeah. all doing Napster and shit, right? Like, it was like, we were, all the file sharing and stuff we were doing was intended, like, I mean, I didn't have broadband. Mm -hmm. So any sort of stuff I was getting for most of my internet life was on dial-up. And then YouTube came out, or I th it must have been, YouTube must have come out after I graduated university, hmm. which meant that then I was, the hell was I doing? You would have seen something dumb. I, it would not have been of high grade. It would have been a thing where it's like, oh yeah, go click here to go go watch a thing on YouTube, and I would have been like, I don't know what it, it would have been. It could have been a screamer. You know what would have been amazing? Popular for yeah, a while. Might, that might have been what it was, is some, something stupid like that. Though what would be amazing is if you could actually go back through your YouTube account yeah. and be like, well, we have your history. We oh, have I your wouldn't whole have even history. had a YouTube account at that time. Yeah, that's mm. true. I mean, you just go and you watch. You don't have to set up an account to watch anything. Right. Wow, I don't know what it would have they're been. Gonna, Maybe... They're going to be, they're going to be like, there are going to be some people whose first YouTube video mm -hmm. will have been a thing they saw in a classroom. Mm -hmm. Because they weren't quite old enough to have a computer in the house to see something dumb, right? Or to see a Minecraft video or whatever, but their teacher will have set it up as part of their presentation. It's a very small. That's a very small window, in fact. Oh like, yeah. That's like a hair's like that's but like a cat's whisker. But there will be some people mm -hmm. who probably. Yeah, who were like under that YouTube, mm -hmm. and then they watch the video like, oh wow. Because I remember when YouTube videos started popping up in my high school classroom okay. stuff. Wow. Paul. All right, uh, well, he here's a, a question, sort of a combo question from two people. Uh, so Foxmar320 asks, uh, what were you scared of when you were a kid? And Greg the Terrible expands on that and says, and are you more or less afraid of that now? <laughs> hmm. uh, when I was a kid, the first thing I really remember being scared of, like profoundly scared of, was um, after having read a novelization of Alien mm. I found somewhere. That was really scary and what frightened me was I guess which is perfectly natural and that probably just um, uh, contextualized it for me was was the dark. Right? I mean, yeah. big big surprise, afraid of the dark. Um, and no. <laughs> no, the dark is fine. The dark is actually quite nice now. Yeah, that's good. I, 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 can, I can move through it and I don't get eaten by anything though occasionally I hit my shin on things. <laughs> which is arguably worse. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it, like there's that Lovecraft line about, you know, being afraid of the unknown. And I suppose that's, that's the quality of 
the dark, right? Is that you have no idea what's in it, so your mind fills it with whatever could possibly be in it. And I don't even know if um, the monster I imagined in the dark had, like, if I could have ever described it to you. Oh, yeah. Right? Or yeah. it was just... Formless horror. Yeah. Um... Actually, do you want to go first? I mean, mine falls pretty much under cams. I was afraid of the dark. Ah. To the point where, like, I always had the hall light on. Mm -hmm. But the room I was in, the hall light created a weird reflection off of this weird snow-white light thing we had mm -hmm. in the ceiling. And it made it look like there were eyeballs off of, off of the window. Hmm. Um, well. Which frightened me even more. And I didn't know where they came from. Huh. And of course, every time your parents come in to check on you when you're freaking yeah, out about it, a thing, they turn the lights on. And they go so, away. So it goes away. Right. Right. So I was scared of the dark and of the things that were not in the dark. <laughs> so the answer to that is that if our kid, whenever we have a kid, is freaking out about something in the dark, the thing is to go into the room while it's dark and start... Well, no, you should turn the down. light on, but you probably should recreate the actual... Experience. Mm. Yeah. And so be you there share with, it with them. them. Um, but, like... Like, that clearly I'm not afraid of, because we figured out the reflection thing eventually. Uh, the dark, I'm not so much afraid of the dark as the things that I hear go bump, mm. if I can't identify what that is. That's fair. Right. Because a bump in your house in the middle of the night could mm -hmm. mean, a like, it could mean something fell over. Or it could mean someone's breaking in. Right. And that's not particularly a pleasant thought to have in the middle of the night. No. No. Um... When I woke up in the morning, my parents would be dead. Hmm. Oh, I had that one too. That went on for months. Huh. I couldn't fight that. Right. Which, but it meant that I didn't want to go to bed. Right. Because yeah. the moment you go to bed and then you fall asleep, when you wake up in the morning, one of your parents will be dead. Did you have the right. dreams too? No, no dreams. Oh, okay. I don't know what happened. I don't know what... The, and the thing is, that wasn't like... I wasn't five. I was 12. Hmm. Like, I was in grade six. Right. I was getting 90% in like all of my classes. I was Ooh. having a great time. I was doing whatever. You were whatever. old enough to know that you were crazy, so you didn't want to tell anyone. Yes. Right. That's worse. Yeah. Huh. Okay, yeah. That was, that was exhausting because I couldn't shake it, no matter how much I knew it was bullshit. The, what actually ended up helping is, because my parents knew I couldn't sleep. I was having a terrible time. I was doing whatever, all the stress and whatever else. And I also had to dust and vacuum part of the house as part of my chores, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was dusting their room uh, one Sunday, and uh, there's a book on my mother's nightstand that was Solving Your Child's Sleep Problems. Mm -hmm. And I looked at that and thought, oh, wow, like, I can't, like, like, they can't figure out what to do. Right. Because I can't tell them what's wrong because I know it's stupid and I don't want right. to feel like I'm crazy. Um but I saw that and it crystallized the moment and I was like, they can't figure out what to do and I can't figure out what to do, but I'm making it really hard on them and they can't figure it out. And I never had that problem that ever since. Mm. Ever since seeing that book, never had the problem ever again. Hmm. And the thing is, I'm not scared of that now. Right. right. That doesn't bother me now. What scares, so it's like less scared, not scared at all. What scares me now is, and I've said this in Tomo as well, someone unknown in my space. Hmm. I can't, and that extends to the outside of my house. Like if I'm sitting at home and it's nighttime and I'm watching a movie or whatever and I glance over at the window because I'm an idiot uh, <laughs> and I see a face in my window, uh -huh. it's fucking on. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's like, okay, what I, now what I have to do is wet my pants and I have to grab something and I have to scream at the top of my lungs. Right. And everything ends tonight. <laughs> You or I or both must fall. Right. I can't take it. I cannot take somebody like the threat of something is about to happen to you. Right. And I, I can't deal with it like, um, like frickin' when we were playing Let's Nope in the, in the old moon base and the lights went out in the, in the moon base. And I was like, the thing I thought is I'm like, at least I'm here with Alex. We can do this together. Right. You know, we no, know that someone's fucking with us, but even if someone's not fucking with us, the two of us are going to do whatever it takes yeah. to, to end what's going on. Mm -hmm. So James is your favorite person is what you're saying. But if I was by myself, I wouldn't know how I would have been able to deal with it. I right. can't deal with that kind of thing. It's like, you are in my space, mm -hmm. and you need to get the fuck out of my space. Hmm. <laughs> so... 
There, um, a little secret for everybody who. I, I like how you say, "Oh, I've said this on Mitomo," as if everybody can read your Mitomo. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like I've put it out right. there even too. It's like I've said this now before, now I'm comfortable talking about hmm. it. So, is <laughs> actually uh, related to that. Uh, John Bunday asks, uh, "What is your favorite streaming moment?" <laughs> <laughs> I can probably guess James's favorite streaming yeah, moment. Yeah, <laughs> he wasn't even on camera. <laughs> uh, and I think that'll probably be our uh, last question. So the big dilly bar has been really yeah. That, my that most was recently. Yeah, I think my good. favorite streaming moment was doing the uh, stinger at Desert Bus Seven. Oh yeah, mm. I like doing that. That was great. Yeah, um, I got to eulogize Desert Bus Seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I suppose that. I hope that qualifies as streaming. I would think so. I, I mean, think so. Still technically streaming. So yeah. I'm. I'm sure they're probably looking for something more from your personal stream. But mm. I mean, you had fly and explosion just recently. Yeah, my Nuzlocke's been full of great ones. Like, because the third third one was uh, the third episode where I lose like three Pokemon all in one go, and I'm, I'm supposed to die. Mm-hmm. I really should have died, but I made it out. Hmm. And I was so tense by the end of that. I was super happy the stream was over, but it was like interesting to experience all that. Right. But yeah, I'm, I'm fighting the uh, Elite Four right now, and I don't have any type advantage for a lot of the things I'm fighting. Mm-hmm. So a lot of I've been lucking out of a lot of things, and there was a Pokemon who showed up um, who's who has Explosion, mm-hmm. where it just essentially just self destructs okay. and kills itself, but it takes you down with it. Oh. And and everyone's like, oh, oh, you're you're effed, right? Who who who? And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I will fly because I think that's the biggest attack I can do. And my Pokemon went up in the air, and then he exploded, and my Pokemon was up here, so oh. it couldn't get touched. And it was like the end. You're dead now. Ha! <laughs> huh. I got away. Idiot. Yep. Out. <laughs> uh. So it just whiffed on its self-destructing. Yeah. Yep. Man, that's got to feel bad. Well, I mean, briefly, I suppose. Yeah. I guess we know about that, really. uh, that lets know where we Alexander Freakout was fantastic, hmm. and I think other than that, um, you didn't you didn't like having the 3D girlfriend. The 3D girlfriend. When Alice was playing the 3DS game that you brought. Oh, yeah, and she was he, on. He kept he kept putting 3D girlfriend on top of you. No, it didn't. I didn't do anything for me. <laughs> I think more it's like when you have a triumph or tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and for example, in like Prince of Persia: Warrior Within, the first game that I'm streaming on stream, and we get all the way to the end. Uh, I think it's the first game I'm streaming on stream. If we don't count Endless Ocean, but I get all the way to the end, and I can't go in the sand column to take me to the final battle. And somebody says, "Oh yeah, that, apparently that's a glitch in the game." You play mm-hmm. all the way through to near the end. You're about to go to the final battle, and sometimes. You can't, the column doesn't pick you up, and that's because of a glitch that happens in the save game. Uh, Ages of Don't worry, back. it happened hours ago. Whenever you saved, that glitch has happened, and so now you're effed, and you can't finish the game. That was sort of a combination Pardon. of triumph and tragedy. <laughs> Ubisoft quality. This happened actually the other day. We were playing the, we were playing the Two Thrones, Prince of Persia of the Two right. Thrones, and, uh, and I went to go stab my knife into oh, yeah. one of the sand, uh, the sand oh. uh, beacons. No, 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 you need to... He spent hour, like almost an hour, trying to figure out how to take these guys down. Yeah, couldn't figure it out. Dying over and over. And finally, then finally got there. we figured it out. Heather figured out what it was, and I was like, "Okay, great." So we did it, and I'm like, "Okay, great." And I stabbed the thing into it, and it says, "You have gained 100 sand credits because it's a thing." And then as soon as that happened, it went black to like to fade into back to the scene, and it went black. And it just hung there. It stayed black, and we just stared <laughs> and at the I was screen. like, is this where I abandoned Prince of Persia, the third game? Like, is that what happens? And No, we didn't have to. We just yeah. rebooted and right. started again. But I was like, Jesus Christ, it's... if this... And I was like, I was kind of like, I was hoping, like, please happen again, because it would be hilarious. Yeah, well, yeah that's and the didn't. thing. We kept when, going. when you went back, and you, you made it through again, and you stabbed the thing again, and like, is this where it just... Is this where the game just... Is broken forever. Because apparently in the PC version of this game, there's also another game-breaking bug. But the GameCube version, nobody knows. Hmm. So we might find out. Well, like, I I guess my personal triumphant, like, streaming moment was beating XCOM Enemy Unknown on 
lit, uh, like Impossible Iron Man on stream. Oh, nice. For my home save, and having it crash during the end cinematic, so I couldn't get the Chivo <laughs> like, repeatedly over and over oh. again. And oh. like, there's a quote in in the database where I'm just like, when they said Impossible, I didn't think they actually <laughs> meant. Oh, that it so... just wasn't actually possible to complete. <laughs> that's, that's like the worst thing for most gamers, it's... the fact that you did a thing but can't prove that you did it. Yeah, there's no Chivo, and like you can see me beat the final boss yeah. on stream. But the cinematic crashes every yeah. time. I, I like that uh, that all of your, uh, uh, all of your, your favorite, all, all three of you, your favorite moments are moments of uh, triumph followed by tragedy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I feel like we should just like yeah. we should just cut the piece of that movie out and just send it to Firaxis and say, yeah. can you do something about this? Yeah, yeah. It's like the dizzying highs, the Manu nauseating lows, the manually creamy fire the treat right. Chivo. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think that's uh, we got. Sorry uh, if we missed your question, but there are many, many questions, mm -hmm. and uh, we don't have time for all of them. But uh, thank you guys very much for answering yeah. them all. Yeah. yeah. All right. And uh, so thank you for joining us on the Lurcast. Uh, as with all of our podcasts, this podcast is brought to you by you, the viewer, who support us on our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun. Um, if you like this content, please consider supporting us there. If you do support us, thank you very much. We, we hope enjoy that you, eating. Yeah, yeah. We, we enjoy providing this content for you. Um, so, yeah, until next week, thank you for joining us on the Lurcast, and we will see you in the future. Bye. Bye.